Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We got episode seven of the Nick Broker Show, followed by Fresh Cuts today. Nick, talk about the win over Kentucky. Kind of preview what's ahead for Ole Miss, provide some insight on the snapping situation, running game, offensive line, and a whole hell of a lot more. Always good talking to Nick. And then Greg and I bring it home with Fresh Cuts, sponsored by Skybox Sports Picks and LBs. Buckle up. Great Friday show to get you in the weekend. Before we get to that, though, wanted to remind you, the podcast is now brought to you by Ray Stevens of Square Real Estate. Ray is a licensed realtor for the North Mississippi Realtors Association, so he can represent a buyer looking for a house or someone wanting to put it on the market or sell. He offers personalized service to every customer, whether you're trying to buy or sell a two-bedroom condo or looking for your dream house in Oxford. Whether you're moving from place to place around town, maybe looking for your second home, it's a great time to get it because the football team's awesome. You want to get up here every weekend. You're tired of paying for overpriced hotel rooms. Let Ray help you out. He's a buddy of mine, longtime friend, loves doing business with Ole Miss people, and loves putting people in homes that they will cherish forever. Well, again, whether it's a two-bedroom condo, a five-bedroom house, he can help you out. I wouldn't send you to people that I don't trust you need to check him out. Ray Stevens, call him at 601-624-4824. That's his cell. He'll pick right up, tell you I sent you, and he will take care of whatever you need. Putting it on the market, buying one, whatever it is, he's going to take the hassle out of it for you and make things easier. That's a complicated process. Let someone that you can trust make it easier for you. That's 601-624-4824. If you can't get in there, try him 662 832 Seven 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 seven. That's a lot of sevens. Check him out, Ray Stevens. Really appreciate him joining the Rippy Rights Podcast family. Great guy. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Renewable, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Skybox. Crushing it on college football right now. NFL is heating up as well. Maybe you're tired of losing money. You need to check out Skybox. Go online, find a picks package. You can try it for a month, week, year, whatever. They're going to have something that fits your price range, your preferred sport. You're going to buy the package. They're going to send you a nice little spreadsheet email-wise, and boom, you're now better equipped than you were 10 minutes prior to make money and actually make a profit. Don't pay out your bookie. Have him pay you out. Check out skyboxsportspicks.com. When you buy a package, use the promo code RIPPY. That's R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right. All right. Here is Nick Broker. All right. We now welcome into episode seven of the Nick Broker Show, sponsored by the Young Alumni Collective. Big win for Ole Miss last week. Uh, the first kind of really highly anticipated game of the season. You guys played really well. Defense made some plays down the stretch. I, I know it's. I know you played for three years in the SEC, but it kind of felt like it'd been a while since you guys have been in a game like that just with how the schedule shook out. Just what was it like being in an environment like that again? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been a while. I mean, like you said, last year we had some really cool games, but um, – you know, that was another one that was kind of wild. You know, fan, fans were awesome. I thought the stadium was rocking, and it was really cool to see like, the stripe out kind of come to life. You know, I, I think everybody kind of was like, I wonder how that's going to look. You know, I thought it looked great, and so that was a really cool game to be a part of. Yeah, people were fired the hell up for the game, that is for sure. I don't know if I was, like, skeptical of the stripe out. I just didn't quite understand what, like, the 
stripe out actually meant but then i got in the stadium i was like no this absolutely works like this was pretty cool i thought they went the way they sold the whole game was awesome and then of course the environment was just electric and i know we talked about 11 a.m games before but does it change at all when it's an environment like that like does it feel less 11 a.m ish at all if that makes any sense yeah definitely i think for us too we kind of enjoy the 11 a.m games a little bit from the standpoint we practice in the morning so it's not like we have to kind of change our body clocks because we always are always out on the field early and doing meetings. So from that standpoint of the 11 a.m. game, I don't think anybody's ever like, oh, man, like we got to wake up at this time kind of deal. But um, like you said, I mean, for the fans to be out there and that fired up at 11 o'clock in the morning it was really cool. What did you make of Kentucky? Like, there's like, what was kind of perception versus reality from a defensive front, like on film versus what you saw in um you know, when the game actually got started, they looked pretty stout and pretty physical defensively, but you guys kind of took it to them, particularly on the ground for about three and a half quarters of that game. Yeah, I mean, what we saw in film was kind of what we anticipated from a schematic standpoint. Like, they didn't really throw in anything that – nothing of what we saw Saturday was anything that we weren't ready for, didn't really prepare for, so to speak. But like you said, like, those guys were real big, and basically, you know, they played a good game too. So, um, you know, it's kind of fun – when you can get two really good teams on the same field together. Yeah, for sure. And that was a uh, – that to me, I know this sounds like generic, but that just looked like two really good football teams on the field, and you mm-hmm. can tell that immediately. I mean, I, I saw you briefly after the game, and you were talking about that was just kind of hard-nosed football. Like, when you get in a game like that, how early can you sense it? Because it was one of those things – it wasn't – clearly it wasn't a shootout, but it was one of those things where it felt like you had to kind of fight for every yard. Yeah, I mean, we could kind of tell early on with the film and everything that we knew – um, it was going to be a game like that. You know, we knew it was going to be a really good game and it, we were going to have to play four really good quarters. But, I mean, you could kind of tell early on um, that was going to be like that, especially because they bounced back. We were up 14-0 pretty early, and it seemed like they bounced back and then responded right away after we went up 14 and scored the touchdown themselves. You guys had a little bit of reshuffling on the offensive line, right? Caleb was a little banged up. Y'all came out the first series, and Micah Pettis goes to right tackle. Jeremy slides in at guard. I know your side was pretty much intact, but just for like people at home that maybe don't understand what that changes, if anything, as an offensive line unit, what kind of changes for, for you personally or for just the unit as a whole when you kind of have to shuffle around like that and do something you're not necessarily accustomed to doing, at least not that point in the season? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I mean, for me, it wasn't anything that drastic, I guess, instead of having Caleb next to me to start off the game for like a long period of the game, it was Eli and I thought Eli did a really good job, too. You know, I thought all the guys did, you know, particularly, you know, guys who, like you said, Jeremy hadn't played guard in a long time, and he was kind of playing there. And Micah, that was his first game. He played really well. He played awesome. So, um, you know, I'm sure there were some kinks for them that kind of felt odd at times. But, you know, for me and Jaden, you know, we were pretty smooth sailing as far as, you know, this is what we always do. And y'all ran the ball super well early in the game, right? Juckins breaks off a big one to score the second touchdown. Y'all ran it pretty much down the field other than that one nice pass that Dart threw for the first drive. Setting the tone like that, I imagine, has to be, one, obviously good on the scoreboard, right? You get started out fast. But just as an offensive line, when you're having that early type of success, how huge is that for you just kind of the second and third quarters of the game? Because I imagine a defense gets pretty worn down. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it kind of wears him down. And I think, you know, it's a big attitude thing. You know, I've always been a big believer in running the ball. Not just only helps us on the offensive side of the ball, but also helps the defense. You know, it kind of allows the defense to rest a little bit. And I think they can kind of feed off that, too. You know, if we're playing physical and running the ball well, you know, it kind of amps them up to play well, too. 
when um when Pettis went in the game, you guys had two freshman tackles, and you know people talk. I mean, we talked a lot about on this podcast about like kind of maturity and like needing to kind of be seasoned as an offensive lineman. It's really one of the last places plug and play. I get each of those guys had a year to kind of get ready. They're redshirt freshmen, right? But I just was thinking, and I said this after in the post game, just like having two freshman tackles seems like a big deal, but I think it's kind of a testament to just how much he trusts both of those guys, right? To be able to throw both of them out there, kind of on the edge, because. Obviously, Jeremy James is a very capable tackle. You yourself played three years of SEC left tackle. But just do you think that's a reflection of kind of how Clements and the rest of the coaching staff feel about those guys? Yeah, you know, they've both prepared really well. um, And they've definitely, you know, uh, deserved to, you know, be in that moment of playing. You know, they've worked really hard. They've practiced really well. And they they studied the game well. So, you know, it's really cool to see guys like that go in, but not only go in and play so well. Yeah, and you were you were in a similar position in a way, except you didn't really have – I heard Pettis talking about after the game, and I think I've heard Williams talk about this as well, where, like, they got in, they didn't play immediately, they kind of knew they weren't ready to play, and they had a year to kind of reflect on, you know, why they weren't playing as if it's – you know, some of it's just development. But, like, they said – they both kind of said they hit a point where it's like, I, I kind of feel ready for this. You as a freshman didn't really have that. You just kind of had to be ready – but you, could you shed a little light on what they're talking about? Is this there's a way you feel physically when you're like, all right, I'm ready, I'm kind of equipped for this now? Like, is it a certain point or does it kind of happen differently for each guy? Yeah, I mean, even me playing as a freshman, I feel like it, you know, during camp, like it took me a few practices for me to kind of get my feet and be like, okay, like I can do this, you know? And I think it's a big mindset thing because it's so much different, especially on the offensive line coming from high school to college where – in high school, you can kind of just like for me, you know, I was just kind of bigger than everybody. You know, I played high school football against, you know, obviously I was going to stand out doing that. And it was like always like the big thing was, like, oh, what, what's it going to be like when he plays against, you know, other division one football players? Um, so I think that's kind of like the main thing is you finally, you know, you can kind of tell early, you know, the guys are, you know, older college football players with us suddenly hits a point where you make a couple nice blocks, you, you kind of string along a couple of good practices where you finally feel like, you know what, I can do this. I am ready for this. You kind of hit a little bit what I was going to get to in a second, and that's snapping in center. We talked about this before, right? I asked you, like, if you've ever tried to snap before. You mentioned doing it in practice a few times and then trying it in a scrimmage or two. That is an art, right, or a learned trait, if you want to call it that, because – as you pointed out a second ago, you don't really recruit centers, right? When you guys come out of high school, I mean, unless you're in some ridiculous powerhouse situation, all of you guys are playing tackle. And so right. I know you haven't had to do it yourself, but what is kind of the adjustment of a guy coming out of high school? Obviously, he's a left or a right tackle where he plays high school to having to play center and actually make that adjustment of hiking the football between your legs on a given play. Cause it's, you know, it's a huge part of the game, right? Football is a hugely complicated game, but you know, if, you, if, if you're having trouble getting the ball back to the quarterback, that kind of throws everything else off. Like, what actually goes into learning how to do that and do that well? Because, I mean, what, you play 75 snaps in a game, you better have 74 of them pretty good because you can't afford, like, five, six bad ones, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the heartbeat of it all is you can't really get a play going if the if the operation's timing's off or um, anything like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing, honestly. It's kind of like, honestly, for me, like learning how to snap, at first it was really frustrating because I didn't really know how to and, you know, everybody, and then, you know, obviously my offense line coach, Coach Thornton's helping me. Like kind of, you know, this is how you need to grip, but this is when you need to release. So this is what your, your wrist should be like. Um, so that's kind of tricky. I think the, the biggest adjustment for a lot of people coming from not playing center, playing center, especially at the college level is just how much, like you're kind of like 
the quarterback of the offensive line, if that makes sense. Like you're the one yeah. that's kind of IDing the fronts and kind of gets the play started in most cases about this is what we're doing, this is what's going to happen, making all the calls. So, you know, if you don't really have a smart center or somebody that's confident enough to make the calls, it can kind of, you know, it can make things a little tricky, especially if, you know, the other guys are like, all right, what are we doing? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, for sure. And then, like, the actual snapping piece of it, I mean, this is going to sound like a dumb question, but is your shotgun snap harder than under center, like 100%? Yeah, for me at least. I think I think under center is a lot easier than shotgun. I think a lot of people would attest to that. Like, the under center is a lot easier. What's, like, the geometry and, the um, and like, the I was going to say math behind it. I doubt you guys are, like, charting angles. But, like, the technique to it versus, like, you know, sometimes when you see a bad snap, it's high. Sometimes it's low. I just pointed – down when I said high and then up when I said low, but you get the picture. This is audio only podcast, but like, what is the technique behind it? What kind of causes a high snap and a low snap? A lot of it when it's high, at least from like, from what I've experienced, sometimes it's like when you release the ball and a lot of it too is like, if you, if you like raise your butt too much in your stance, that's kind of when a lot of high snaps happen. So you kind of have to keep a good relationship of like your knee bend and everything like that. Or sometimes when guys, like what can throw it off too is they try to like, like if they're running a play, for example, and they're stepping to their right side, they won't like carry on like the way they snap the ball might keep going to the right because they're leaning. So then it'll go left. It, it, there's so many, which I didn't realize until I started practicing snapping like back in probably, it kind of started as like, honestly a joke. Like the ball was, I was like, Oh, I'll just snap a few. And then during camp before practice, I would snap every now and again. And that's kind of, mainly what it's been is just me snapping the ball like before practice because we have like all these quarterbacks and you know they want we want to practice center quarterback snap exchange so that's kind of what I do with it but um so just like little things like that like you wouldn't really think about can kind of really throw it off a lot yeah for sure and then another thing I wanted to get to is we talked and written about this a lot this week is you guys are now 16 and three in your last 19 games. There's not a lot of whole, a whole lot of programs in the country that are really in that mark. And you can frame it at 19, 20 games, whatever you want to do with it. You guys have won a lot of football games in the last two and a half years is the point of it. And you guys won another close one. And this time you pulled it out defensively at the end because your defense made two really, really big plays. But you guys kind of have a knack for winning these games. Y'all won a ton of close ones last year, right? The Tennessee mm -hmm. win was a terrific win. You won a close one against A&M with the big play at the end there. Um, a couple throughout the year last year and even the year before that, you know, I, it's funny walking through the Grove after the game, Ole Miss fans who – I know you guys don't have like a 25-year history of like watching the Ole Miss like brand or whatever, but like I feel like older fans in particular are kind of like still getting used to it. But you can tell it's like a culture thing, right? You just eventually kind of start expecting to make plays and win games like that. The best you can describe, I know it's something that's probably pretty difficult to describe, but how does that happen? Like, how do you get, is it just being in that situation over and over again? How do you get to the point where you kind of just expect good things to happen and know, hey, we're going to make a play to win this thing instead of kind of, I guess, being paralyzed by the moment? I think there's kind of two things. I think the first one is uh, we've, like you said, we've kind of been in, in that moment a lot, so we're a lot more experienced with it, you know, especially some of the older guys that have played a lot of football. And I think, like, the biggest thing is, like, we always say, you play to win, you don't play not to lose, if that makes sense. Like, you're yeah. trying to make plays and not, you know, still attack the game like it's a normal game, not be back and on your heels like, okay, well, we if we let them catch it eight yards, it's fine. You know, that, it, that's kind of out the window now. You know, we're still trying to make plays and playing like we're going to win the game, not 
like uh, we're playing to not lose this game. For sure. What was Jackson like throughout? I mean, it was he even admitted after the game that was the first kind of stage he'd been on like that. I know being at home when everyone's kind of in your favor is different than going on the road. But he had like a point where he was asked about it and he smiled and was just kind of talking about how much fun it was. Can you sense that at all during a game? I mean, imagine all of you guys are having fun in an environment like that. But just for a younger guy that hadn't really been in many situations like that, could you sense him kind of getting in a groove and getting to a point where he's like, guy, this is this is really awesome. Yeah, and I think you, you can definitely tell with everybody. And Jackson, like you said, I thought um, he really rose to the occasion. I think that's just kind of the competitor competitor and everybody honestly and that's kind of why you come to a school like Ole Miss and come play SEC football so you can be a part of games like that honestly you know that's kind of the way I look at it you know it's kind of a privilege to be in games like this you know it's super fun when the stadium's sold out and it's close and everybody's going crazy for sure you guys had a ton of offensive sass particularly putting points on the board and finishing drives in the first half I know it sputtered down a little bit in the second half but you haven't been the beneficiary of this all four years you played, but how nice is it having a defense that you know you don't necessarily have to go out there and put out six every time? I understand that's the goal, but just kind of having that other side to lean on and a strength of the team being the defense versus in years past, you know, 2020 in particular, you guys got into a bunch of shootouts. That was a weird year for a lot of reasons. Was it nice knowing that you have a little bit margin for error and you know when you come off the field if a drive didn't go your way, there's a pretty good chance the other team's going to punt and you're going to get it right back with another shot? Yeah, I think that takes a lot of pressure off us and a lot. And, you know, I think that's just kind of how you play team football, because even when we punt and, you know, if we get a couple of yards and get a couple of first downs and punt and we pin them deep, you know, we're, we know we're going to get the ball right around our 50 yard line with a short field to work with. So um, it's definitely something we really feed off of for sure. Where were you when uh, I say where were you? I know literally where you were. What was your reaction uh, to the uh, Ivy strip sack? I, could, could you have topped partridges? I mean, really that whole booth up there. I'm sure you saw that video. Yeah. What was your reaction? Are you stoic in those moments? Are you going nuts? How does that kind of work? What would you do? I just kind of like honestly like froze. Like I was so <laughs> like excited but like so shocked. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like this is what it came down to. Um, and then like kind of – you know, being an older guy, like, guys are just running around the field. I was like, okay, well, we still have to go out there and snap the ball. The game is, like, there's still 58 seconds left. Like, we got to – we celebrate, like, in a minute. <laughs> what is a locker room at, like, after a win like that? I know it's hard to describe. There's probably not much topping it. I mean, you get the cigars when you beat Mississippi State. I've wandered halfway into a locker room one time when you guys had those fired off. That was maybe 17. But, like, what is a locker room like after a win like that? It's nuts. There's, and that's kind of the best part is there's really nothing like the winning locker room, especially after a game like that. You know, everybody's going crazy. Everybody's jumping around, dancing, maybe put a little music on. And I mean, there's really no celebration like that. What is your routine after a game like that? Because I know you had the whole day, not really like to yourself. I mean, obviously, I saw you after the game, you talked to your family, whatever. But I know you guys have a routine after, right, to take care of your body a little bit. Is that different at all for an 11 a.m. game? I know you want to try to be social some when you can, but what does that look like after an 11 a.m. game when you do have so much time left before, you know, Sunday, the next day, whatever you guys have to do? Yeah, I think, like, the biggest difference is, like, normally, because we've been playing a little later, like, normally after those games, I'll just go back to my apartment and just kind of lay in bed the rest of the day, honestly. Like, I went back to the Grove for a little bit, like you said, and hung out with my friends and some family there. Um, and then after that, just kind of the same thing, you know, laid around all day and just got ready to go do treatment this Sunday. I think like the fun part about playing that early is because because we play so early, we get done and we can kind of watch all the other games, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, because y'all don't get to watch hardly any football, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're playing yeah. early or really late. Like any time in between that, what, like 11, I mean, after the 11 window, like that mid-afternoon to early night, I mean, you're pretty much toast all day. I imagine you guys don't have the TV on watching leading up. Yeah, I mean, we we, we don't really watch any games, especially like 2.30, definitely not. 6.30, we might get like a little downtown in the, downtime in the afternoon to watch in our hotel rooms while we're waiting around, but um 11 o'clock for as far as us watching games 11 o'clock is probably the most ideal situation for that you guys have mentioned a couple of times had another huge week running the football um I think probably the one that stands out is Q breaking loose for that second touchdown there is some like sports science deal where he reached like 22 miles an hour apparently a cheetah can run that fast I'd like to see that for myself maybe they could race I don't know but like when you're on the field and he breaks it in the second level like that you're like damn he's fast like I know you're not surprised about quick he is but just seeing it go that quickly to you know gets past the linebacker and then no one's really going to touch him after that is it still kind of mesmerizing to see while you're watching it in real time yeah with all of them honestly and Q was obviously the example because he was the one who broke it off last week but there's plenty of examples of guys running down the field which offense defense special teams are like geez like (laughs) guys rolling like (laughs) like even I I think it was Aishim Young on when Kentucky hit that big play on their last drive before Ivy um, had the strip sack, he came like all the way across the field. And I was like, he is because they showed it to us. And I was like, dude, he is rolling right now. <laughs> like, he is, he is, he is digging right now. What does Kiffin say to you guys after a win like that? Because I know particularly offensively, it probably didn't necessarily go the way y'all wanted to, but again, that's why it's team and complimentary football. But that win where you won make enough plays to win, but a close one where, you know, kind of in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, we kind of escaped that. What does he tell you after a win like that? Yeah, I think like you said, I mean, there's obviously always good and bad within every game and, you know, just winning a game like that, it's awesome. And um, so that was like kind of, you know, his message to us, you know, it's good to celebrate, but don't celebrate for too long because we have another game coming up. So, um, you know, celebrate now. But once we come back tomorrow, we have another game to play. For sure. And you guys go to Vanderbilt this week. I was looking it up earlier based on when you got in. You go got into school, that is. You did, you've never played at Vanderbilt in like a normal setting. Not that it's much different than the COVID year, no offense to Vanderbilt, but like you've never actually, the way the schedule's played out, you've never played there in like a normal environment, right? Because they were here in 19, weren't they? And then 20. Uh, and there's a few schools like that, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few schools. There's a few schools like that, I think. We played at LSU, Arkansas. We didn't play AM at all in COVID year. So those are all places that we didn't – in Vanderbilt, obviously, like you said, those are all places we haven't got to play at during, like, a true normal season. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to be there when there's actually – and everything. So for the, a week like this, I know Vanderbilt, another SEC opponent, they're much better this year than they've been in years past. Like, I've watched them a couple of times. They have mm-hmm. a lot more, like, real SEC talent than I think in years past. But you're also not going to walk into kind of what you've talked about a couple of times. You enjoy a raucous environment. It will be a lot of Ole Miss people. There will be some sparsely populated, uh, you know, gold and black. It's an older stadium. It's a different environment, if we're being honest, than the rest of the SEC. Is it – do you have to kind of mentally lock in a little bit more? I know we talked about a little bit this against Georgia Tech, but do you guys – are you conscious of that at all versus – I mean, look, if you have to get fired up to go play in Death Valley, like you're probably in the wrong sport. Do you have to kind of monitor that at all? Not really. I think anytime you get the chance to play an SEC game, especially an SEC road game, you're kind of fired up for it just because it, it's, it's just kind of what you're here for. You know, you're here for the SEC games. You're here for 
these big time games. So, you know, they're, they're so SEC players too, just like we are at the end of the day. So, um, and we know, you know, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss kind of have like, a, you know, that's our crossover game. Like that's who we play every year. So definitely one we want to, you know, play well in. For sure. As you guys wade deeper into the season, can you sense Jackson getting more comfortable and more confident? He just, the last three games, look, the stat sheet, it doesn't really tell the true story, I don't think, with him in pretty much any game you guys have played so far. But you can tell in the last three games, he seems more decisive, like deliberate with what he's doing with the football. I know he's confident. I know he's a leader. But can you guys sense him getting more comfortable as you guys get further and further into the season and he gets more snaps under his belt? Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, he's super talented and can make all the throws, but now he has um, more comfortability and, you know, he's been with us for a few games now at this point. So he definitely can kind of sense that and, you know, he's done a really good job. Kind of wrapping up, you guys have a huge stretch of games coming up in front of you, and that was the first one. I know we've talked about this a couple of times. You take it week by week, but was there ever a moment after the Kentucky game, after a huge physical game like that, you're like, I damn, we got seven more of these. Like the road's just kind of beginning. Yeah, definitely. It's something you kind of think about after the game. Yeah. It's like murderers <laughs> row, <laughs> all the SEC games. It really is. It's it's why it's the greatest conference in the world and the toughest conference in the world. And I, I imagine, I mean, you mentioned that's why you come to the SEC, right? You imagine you guys wouldn't have it any other way. Look, if we're being frank about this, I mean, if you go to some other schools, you may get two, three games a year tops like that Kentucky game where you guys sign up and you pretty much guaranteed eight a year plus whoever you're playing non-conference. Like that really is why you guys come to play in the SEC, is it not? Yeah, definitely. You know, we want to compete against the best. And I think anybody who's a, a competitor and, you know, everybody in this league is, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to play against the best people and playing these types of games, playing these types of atmospheres. Do y'all bus anywhere? You're flying to Nashville, right? That's a little pond jump of a flight, but y'all aren't busing anywhere but like Starkville, right? I think we actually are busing to Nashville. I can't okay. remember. At least last time we did, I'm pretty sure we're busing. Um, other than that, like I think our only since I've been here, the only games we've bused to have been to Nashville, Starkville, like you said, and we'll drive to Tuscaloosa because that's only like I think maybe three hours bus. Yeah. Yeah, and y'all do Birmingham the night before sometimes in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, yep. Mm -hmm. I remember that from when I was in-house. What do you do on a bus ride? Like, when you actually have a real length amount of time, like, what do you do? Movie? Do you do podcasts? What's uh, what's kind of your go-to? For a bus ride like that, kind of all of the above. Like, I'll find – like, I'll probably download something on Netflix to watch, and then other than that, listen to music, listen to podcasts, uh, um, just play around on my phone, things like that. How do they let you guys – nervous energy isn't the right word, but when you go from bus and you're there on a Friday night and then obviously, I mean, you have meetings and stuff, but it really is just kind of the hotel room. What do they let you guys kind of do? I know some of it's probably game time dependent, but kind of blow off some steam and kind of get somewhat active before a game like that. Yeah, so we normally wrap up meetings and we have like a good little period, like hour and a half, two hours maybe, something, something like that um, before bed where we can kind of – hang out in each other's rooms and what maybe there's all there's it always feels like there's like a Friday night college football game on that yeah we might turn on but other than that not a whole lot like everybody's kind of different I like to like get a little stretch in from one of the trainers or one of the strength coaches Friday night but other than that I'll just kind of hang out in my room and watch whatever's on tv do you uh do y'all have any game console guys that are just bringing the Xbox PS? I don't even actually know what model PlayStation is out anymore. 
are there game dudes that bring ps5 there we go i think i'm still rocking with the three i haven't dusted that off in like a decade but like are there dudes that bring video games what is that kind of like yeah there's a few i think but i'm not sure I, I i don't that's not like my thing i don't really game a whole lot like i'll game every now and again with some of my friends from home but i'm not a huge gamer like that so I, it's not something i'm like looking for either yeah but I'm, I'm sure there are some guys i wouldn't be surprised I mean, you've kind of missed your window. I'm not a huge gamer myself. I suck at Call of Duty and Fortnite and all that. I probably gave each of them like a three-week trial run during COVID. And I was like, you know, I'm just, this is not for me, which is probably a good habit I didn't pick up because I already probably procrastinated enough. But like, I imagine you got the college football game coming back next year. You could have just done the all dynasty in the hotel room, broker at quarterback, broker at center, broker at running back. Like you're kind of one year away. You missed your window a bit because I hear that game's coming back next year. That's the rumor I've heard as well. So I'm hoping that's true because that was like what we grew up on. Yeah, I'm the same way. I loved playing that game as a kid. And then all of a sudden it went away. And I was like, damn, I, that's probably the last time I turned on the PS3 because I just don't have much. Like, again, I don't get into like the war games and all that. That's pretty much all I had going for me. So um, a shame you missed it by a year. But hey, you know, when you're playing wherever you're playing next year, you can just throw it on and just go broker all dynasty mode, Heisman Trophy, the whole ball of wax. Oh, mm -hmm. last thing for you before we wrap up here. Just as you get five games in this season, I know you guys know you're pretty good. I know you guys know there's talent in the room, but you get a huge SEC win like that. Everything is out in front out in front of you. Like everything you want to attain is right there for the taking, particularly with the way the league's set up this year. I know it's probably not something you don't talk about every day, but can you sense that that it's understood against all uh, amongst all those guys that everything you want to accomplish is kind of right there? Yeah, I think it's something we even talked about before the season that you know we have a lot of talent, a lot of really good players, so we could really um, have a special season. So that's something we're definitely working for. He is Nick Broker. I enjoy doing this every week, man. Hell of a game last week. That was awesome to watch you guys win in the fashion that you did. Best of luck next or this coming weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. All right, that was Nick Broker. Appreciate his time as always. Wish him well this weekend been a pleasure watching him uh, play and getting to know him a little better over the course of this season. Before we get to Greg, LB's Greg and Fresh Cuts, wanted to let you know the podcast is sponsored by LB's University Avenue. The man himself needs no advertisement or introduction today. He's going to tell you what's going on at the store. Here is Fresh Cuts with LB's Greg and Skybox Sports Picks. All right, welcome into another edition of Fresh Cuts. We've got Greg the Meat Sharp Jones on the other line. I don't know how many rabid Fresh Cut listeners we have, but... um. We let them down, so we we're coming off a two-week hiatus. Now, Greg, you're on the other line probably thinking, what do you mean? All we did was skip last week. Schedules didn't work out. Week before, I'm headed down to a golf trip on the coast in Biloxi. We do fresh cuts literally as I'm about to walk out the door. You remember this? I mm -hmm. cut up the podcast. I uh, uploaded. And then I was like, okay, I literally don't have time to like, finish this. I'm just going to like shut the computer because it uploads anyway as soon as you put it in the thing. like put it in the little portal, shut it. I get open up my computer on Sunday night after a long weekend of, you know, whatever dudes do on a golf trip. You can read into that what you want. Open it back up. Never uploaded. Never push the button. Just just sitting there Sunday night right there staring at me as it was since I left. So this has been a two-week hiatus from Fresh Cuts. I'm ashamed. I'm disappointed. But I also saved this from ourselves. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I mean, you know, I think I think I think I went – 
uh, 12 and one last week. So that's what you uh, probably so had. Yeah, yeah. Everybody missed out on making money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I apologize to both you and Skybox if y'all went undefeated both weeks. It, uh, sorry, we're just going to throw it at the record. This is, uh, this is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship, uh, a corrupt one at that. I, uh, I just, I don't know what to say. Last week, so I had my uh, my best friend Michael Portner in town, who uh, you met, who you are now his hero after some uh, some uh, free meats that were slung around. Um, and I had to go, I was going to eat dinner with him and his wife, and it just scheduling never worked out. So I was like, you know what, we'll take one week off. And then I was like, actually, it's two because I'm an idiot. Needless to I, uh, be that as it may. We are back. We are not missing another week. And I still have the record. You know, I was going to screw this whole thing up one way or another. It happens every year. Usually around this time, I lose the record. Remember there was that infamous golf trip in 2020 where uh, I had decided it was a good idea to keep the record in a notebook. I believe the Beau Rivage in Biloxi now is in possession of that notebook. Um, I don't think we're going to be mistaken for sharps if they ever open that up. And they're like, damn, look at these guys' picks. They're never gambling here again. Yeah, they, they want us in, uh, to come to the Bay Revise. I was about to say, I'm surprised they didn't try to phone, find a phone number on there and be like, look, how about a player's card? We'll allow you to sit in the sports book all day. How about that? Just just keep playing. Not keep playing, keep losing. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like here, we'll give you $1,000 in free play. Just keep it moving. Keep rolling. So. Um, but at least I still have the records. And the records stand at 8 uh, I'm 18 and 17 in college. You're 17 and 18. Skybox Sports Picks is 16 and 19. This is where I remind you, these are Skybox free picks that allow us to us idiots to compete against them. This is not their paid picks. Uh, but, if, hey, they're hanging around 500, just giving stuff away for free to us. Imagine what their paid picks are. Sign up, skyboxsportspicks.com. Um, we'll get to the NFL records here in a second when we get there. But uh, we'll pick college with Skybox. They won't ride with us because their NFL picks are behind the paywall because they actually make money. Um, and then we'll hit the NFL. Before we get to that, though, what's been happening? What's been going on at the store? We got a, I won't say a down weekend, but a non-home football game weekend. What's happening? Yeah, last weekend was pretty wild. I, I mean, I knew Kentucky was going to travel, but, uh, boy, they traveled uh, in Groves. So, it was uh, – It was last week, it was a really good weekend. You know, usually – um, uh, uh, you know, uh, away weekends are actually pretty decent too. Uh, a lot of people want to, you know, hang out and grill and that sort of thing. So maybe there's going to be some people in Nashville. I think there might be some people in Nashville. I know that's kind of like a second hub for Ole Miss uh, alumni. So I think there'll be a lot of people in Nashville. So um, it should be a pretty laid back weekend. But yeah, we um, we uh, ran into each other at the library and. I don't know what happened. Uh, I woke up with a pulled growing and uh, a headache Whoa. the next morning. So I don't know if I raced somebody or whatnot, but well, yeah, that we was did, that was fun. We did wind sprints in the alley. Me and Portner, I believe, were like, hey, we're faster than your horses. And you said, no, you're not. I said, fine, we'll race you. I believe that's what happened. So we were okay. Nice, Sam. Yeah, that's 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 nice, nice. nice. No wonder I was on the shelf for a week and a half. <laughs> Pulled groin. That is uh no good. It was great seeing you at uh at the library last weekend. Good seeing some folks in town. That was a crazy weekend, man. The uh maybe this is just the way I hadn't been in Oxford for a game weekend in a long time, or at least a real one. Um, and maybe I'm just forgetting. But like this was one of that was one of those weekends where like no cell service on the square, like hard getting cell service in the Grove. And like, I feel like that's kind of when, you know, okay, this is a huge weekend. Kentucky did travel very well. It was an exciting weekend in Oxford. And of course a really enthralling win 
for the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, but it was a uh, it was a fun one for sure. It uh, sounded like it was good for business too. Yeah, it sounded like they came in on. Uh, I was talking to you on Friday. Y'all had a hell of a day. I I hope that didn't change on Saturday either. Oh yeah, we were open Saturday um, from one to six, and uh, man, I mean, had a really good Saturday, had a really good Sunday. So, um, you know, I wish it was. I mean, I'm pretty sure every Oxford business was like, I wish it was like this every weekend, you know. But, um, but yeah, it, it was a good weekend, and uh, you know, uh, win at Vanderbilt, and then you know another win at Auburn, and you know who knows with uh, LSU and Texas A&M might be undefeated and hosting Alabama. That would be extremely large. It is a uh, it is setting up to be a really exciting fall for Ole Miss with the way they played and the way the schedule shakes out. That is for damn sure. I had a uh, what do we got? Uh, we got anything like special wise? Worked on any new sausages? I had the fillet, uh, some fillet burgers last week. They were absolutely delicious. And then whatever sausages you gave us were just incredible. I didn't even ask. I just get to the point where you throw something in there, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm eating this, and without even asking what it is. Do you know what kind of sausage we had? Uh, I think I might have gave you all the Swayze sausage and some ribeye sausage. Those are always the hits. Um, it was um, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Neil uh, Brokers came in the other day, and um, I I talked to him about um, about the dinner, and he was like, man, he's like, I, you're so awesome. I'm like, man, <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish a woman would tell me that, you know, like instead of uh, a bunch of grown men that get excited about coming to LBs. But, no, it's uh, – uh, it's awesome. And, you know, I, I'm glad to associate my business with Neil and I mean, with Nick and, uh, with Neil McCready and all, all the people that I associate with. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. And uh, we're very thankful for, for what we've got going on at LB's. You know, with the way the, the last couple weekends have been going, I'd say it'd be pretty difficult to put you out of business, but you keep slinging uh, Nick Broker free food. That man can eat. He might just run you into the ground. He, uh, those, he and his buddies, they No, he's that. got that Grove card. He, he's, he, uh, he, he's, he's got money for sure. They, he, he, uh, <laughs> they can put down some food. It was uh, delicious, though, and uh, Nick's a good kid. It was a, uh, it's been great getting to know him a little bit better. Let's uh let's get to the picks. Let's just dive right into it. We talked about uh before we started recording, just kind of hanging out in Oxford this weekend. I uh, I don't know if I'm just a curmudgeon old man at 27 years old these days, but I love weekends like this. I don't really have anything planned other than just sitting on the couch and watching football, other than some projects around the house and stuff like that. And I love those weekends more than anything else now. I uh don't get me wrong, I like going to the game. I like interacting with people. It's nice, but it's really just kind of awesome sitting on the couch and watching games all day. I feel like I pick up more. And uh, after a weekend of uh, golf and, you know, extracurriculars on the coast the weekend before and a big game weekend, I'm kind of ready to just lock in and watch some football for a weekend. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it's um, uh, with back-to-back -back home games and it's just uh, – it's, it's, it's almost like a breath of fresh air to go home and play the quiet game and just watch football. Playing the quiet game, that is a terrific way to put it. We got a great college slate. It's just, uh, I won't say it's a shame that a bunch of them are 11 a.m., but we got a couple of great 11 a.m. games. And, uh, you know, we're just in the thick of this. We uh, I, I, I was going to do the whole thing. We never take, never appreciate this. That's not true. It goes by so fast, but we are in the prime college football season. I mean, the SEC slate, full swing. There's no more Eastern Kentuckys. There's no more Citadels. This is just SEC football up and down the board. I believe we have 12 of the 14 teams in action this weekend, and it's uh, it's just going to be great stuff. We got some SEC games to pick and then some non-SEC games, and uh, we'll just dive right into it. 
where do we want to start here? Let's just go to Baton Rouge to start. We got 11 a.m. Tennessee traveling to Baton Rouge to play an LSU team that I think is getting better. They're competitive. They play hard for Brian Kelly. I don't think they're very good. It is Tennessee minus three. But right before we get into the pick, I got to get some LSU bashing in. This game was assigned at 11 a.m. two weeks ago, and you would have acted like the commissioner from the SEC, Greg Sankey, came down and said, you know what, actually, we're going to make this a dry game. You're not allowed to drink, and we're going to dock you 10 scholarships. God forbid LSU have to play a game against a good team at 11 a.m. like every other uh, program in the country and every other program in the SEC. Thoughts and prayers to all the, uh, the LSU people out there having to go to a game during the day. I know that must be tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, not everybody get um, gets the golden ticket to play um, night games at their stadium like the LSU does. But you know, uh, it's time for uh, time for a slap on the hand, and uh, and what better to uh, to make a uh, Louisiana native drink at six o'clock in the morning? It's a and it's a TV thing. Like these TV people figure out, oh, that ESPN game coming out of the most popular pregame show probably ever. Oh, that game rates well. Shocker. We're gonna start putting good games there. I, I'm not about to go into the 11 a.m. like discourse. I get people are upset about it. I get people don't like going to games at 11 a.m. I actually kind of enjoy part of it. I like kind of waking up in the morning, having my coffee, maybe a mimosa or two, getting into the stadium. And uh, I don't know, not necessarily fighting the beer goggles that you would at a 6 p.m. game. And then you get the whole day to just kind of watch football after. Be that as it may, the, it, times are changing and people are going to need to get used to it. It's not the end of the world. I would like it if they moved it to 12, like NFL Sunday, give you an extra hour. But it is what it is. Anyway, uh, that has been a uh, time slot rant. Let's get to the picks. It is Tennessee minus three. I don't know why this th line seems like it stinks to high heaven. But uh, I'm not going to overcomplicate this. I just think Tennessee is much better than LSU. Um, you know, I watched that Mississippi State game in full a couple weeks ago in Baton Rouge. I'm not sure the better team won that game. I think Mississippi State was better and just kind of peed down their leg a little bit. Um, so I'm going to go with the Tennessee Vols minus three. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I just, uh, um, it, you know, it's it's time to take the better team in these matchups. And, you know, uh, I, I think Tennessee's a, uh, at least a touchdown football uh Football team better than LSU for sure. Yeah, and uh, Skybox is not overcomplicating this either. They are going with, yeah, Tennessee minus three. I want to make sure I had that correct. So they're going with the balls as well. That should be a fun one um, for sure. It's a matchup you don't get all the time. I think, was the last time they did that, the Derek Dewey game? Remember that infamous game where Tennessee stops him at the goal line and then it was like, oh, actually – because the snap over the head is like actually Tennessee had 14 people on the field. LSU scores the next game. That might be the last time they played in Baton Rouge. I'm not sure, um, but that should be a fun one for sure. Uh, have you noticed? Uh, did you uh, see the Twitter beef between Eric Ainge and LSU Barstool account? Did no, what's that? going on there? Uh, well, um, Eric Ainge made a comment that uh, to the LSU Barstool account that you know I don't know. This is probably the worst you know Barstool account on on Twitter. And uh, they went back and forth, and uh, the LSU account said um, some guy picked you off again because didn't Eric Ainge play quarterback for Tennessee? Yeah, he did. He did. He was a, uh, he said, a decent he said, quarterback. Yeah, the, the Barstool account was like, oh, look, so-and-such picked you off again. And uh, Eric Ainge said something, and uh, the Barstool saying, said, hey, how about let's not get so many DUIs or something like that about DUIs. And I was just like, whoa. 
off the top rope, you know? <laughs> I enjoy a lot of Barstool's content. I like part of my take. I like some of the other guys there. I think they have some smart people working there. I don't really understand the Barstool school accounts. I get it. College thing. You kind of lean into the frat uh, kind of vibe or whatever. But, like, those, co those college accounts, they're just Twitter accounts basically just to say outlandish stuff and get in trouble. Like, there's no college-centric shows. They don't put out any real content. It's just a Twitter feed to let, I'm assuming, some drunk and maybe other substances college kid just rip off some tweets on a weekend. I'm not going to question anything Dave Portnoy does because, you know, uh, guy's worth a lot of money and he seems to know what he's doing. I just don't really get the Barstool schools accounts. It just doesn't make any sense. They all just seem to be raging assholes. Um, but whatever. Maybe that is the brand. Uh, let's go to the Red River showdown here. Uh, I put in Neil's picks, which I've been remarkably awful in. I will get to that in just a second. Uh, that one of the re few regrets I had that I didn't do before I left Dallas was go to this game. Now, one of the years was COVID. I got offered tickets. I was like, yeah, it's not the same. But the State Fair of Texas, awesome. This game's always 11 a.m. It's in the Cotton Bowl. I've heard it's just an incredible experience, and I wish I uh, wish I could have gone. Not like I can't just go back to Dallas and go one day, but you get the point. It is uh, – this game's been a weird one. So in Neil's picks, it was OU minus four, if I'm not mistaken, which – I thought it had to be some sort of typo at first, but then I was like, maybe they think Dylan Gabriel is going to play. It is now Texas minus seven, which would lead me to believe OU's quarterback is not playing. This is a stay away of all stay aways for me, but uh, I, I don't really understand this line. I don't have a feel for it, but uh, I'll let you lead this one off. It is Texas minus seven, which again, presumably would mean that Oklahoma is going to be playing with the backup quarterback. That kid's name is escaping me. He's not awful. Um, highly rated kid. I just can't think of his name, but uh, that, I'll just set you up with that one. Where are you going, man? Um, I, I did see a tweet that they were. Uh, if you bring five cans to the this game, you get in for free. Like Kansas snuff? What are we talking about? It's food Kansas, drive. Kansas Kansas food a food drive. Okay. So I don't know if a lot of people are going to this game or not. It should be a. I don't know, man. I, I think just you got to take the points here. I mean, I, I don't see. Uh, it being a huge blowout, so maybe uh, Oklahoma's backup um, finds a rabbit in a hat. So let's uh, let's take the points here. I guess I'll do the same thing. I mean, hell, I, in Neil's picks, which you know what my record is in that one, it's 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 remarkable. Uh, is it double? It, uh, do you have double digit wins? Yeah, I'll 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 give you that. But like, I, I guarantee you couldn't guess how bad this is. Well, let's see how many games that we've had so far. Probably like what fifty. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, let me do my MRA math right quick. So, uh, whatever fifteen minus uh fifty is. You were close. That'd be fifteen and thirty six. I'm actually one worse. I am fourteen and thirty seven against the spread, which seems impossible to do. But really, I'm just providing a service for the people. Uh, you couldn't have a sharp other than Skybox Sports Picks. Use the promo code twenty percent off. Give you that kind of record if you faded me. It has been a remarkable disaster of epic proportions if we have any other carryover audience from that column in these picks i don't pick the same thing mostly because i don't remember them i've done the gambling is not part of my brand type of thing like jeffrey wright pretty good at it i just do it for fun in that neil's picks it has been a disaster of a year um and i would i say all of that to say i think i had ou minus four in that one so i, I don't think i'm winning that now that uh hopefully that would get thrown <laughs> out because doing gabriel's not playing i'm gonna go to, to ou plus seven here I, I don't know if OU is terrible. I think they're okay. I don't know if Texas is good. Um, so I'll just take the points here because that game always gets crazy. So I'm with you. Skybox is going 
Texas minus seven. So they're laying the horns. I don't really fault them for that pick. It's not like I know what I'm doing anyway, but like it's, it, I, I don't know. I had no feel for this game. I'm going to enjoy watching it. Maybe, I don't know. I would tell you out there, maybe play a total. Like that game kind of is always back and forth, kind of fun. Quinn Ewers should be back for Texas. That's probably another reason for the line jump. So they're going with the horns minus seven at the Cotton Bowl. Let's go over to Starkville where Mississippi State is now, according to Skybox, we're going off their lines here um, because they are the professionals. It is now a nine-and-a-half-point line, and that would tell me that K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas quarterback, is not going to play. I saw that he did not practice on Wednesday. That is generally a rule of thumb uh, I read with Sam Pittman's program. It's kind of this way across the board. Uh, some schools go into Thursday, where if you don't practice on Thursday, Wednesday, somewhere in that neighborhood, you're probably not playing that week. This line would tell me that uh, K.J. Jefferson is not going to play for Arkansas this week. Um, I got to be totally honest. I don't even know who Arkansas's backup quarterback is. They're a banged-up team. With that said, I think I'm going to go the Hogs here. Why in the world would you take Arkansas in this spot? That means it's the perfect time to take them. They've been snake-bit the last two weeks. Weird game against A&M. Then you had to turn around and play Alabama. They almost won that game uh, for like a half second. They were down 28-0. It became 28-23. And then all of a sudden, Alabama's backup quarterback just ran all over them with a couple of huge runs by the running back, too. And they end up losing that game by 20 points and not covering. Been a whirlwind of a couple weeks. I think Sam Pittman, this is one of those Sam Pittman grit fight weeks type of thing where you're like, damn, those kids play really hard and they're always in it. So I'm actually going to go the Hogs here plus nine and a half. Yeah, I like Arkansas here. I mean, it, uh, I know KJ Jefferson not playing is a, is a huge miss for them. And, uh, you know, um, it, it you you uh, I see you know I know state's defense is good and you know state's actually pretty good this year and uh, I just I, I just rather have the points here I I, I don't trust a, a a large spread like that. Oh my! Uh, the Arkansas backup quarterback is that Malik Hornsby kid, uh, the Missouri City, Texas. I don't know why I remember that. I think from te- doing Texas high school games, I remember this. I don't know anything about Malik Hornsby, but hey, we're riding him. Uh, Scott Box is on Arkansas nine and a half plus nine and a half as well. So it sounds like we're on the Malik uh, Hornsby train. So there we go. Horny Hornsby. Let's ride. Uh, let's see. Keeping it moving here. That one's also at 11 a.m. Mizzou and Florida. It is in the swamp. It is Mizzou, or excuse me, Florida minus 11 in the swamp. Florida coming off a week, I think, where they played Eastern Washington. Mizzou had Georgia dead to rights, and it wasn't one of those, oh, a couple of turnovers early, Mizzou's up there uh, early in the game. They're plucky. Georgia was, like, actually dead in the water in this game. I'm still not exactly positive how they won. 16-6 to with, like, eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and uh, Missouri was not able to hold on. They seem like a snake-bit team. This is a trap of all traps in terms of not having a feel for it. I just – I don't know. I, I can't do Anthony Richardson – double-digit favorite. So I guess I will go with the Missouri Tigers. I don't really know what they do well outside run the ball, outside of run the ball at a slightly above average clip. Their defense seems okay-ish. Um, so I'll go Mizzou here. Um, I, I think they'll probably try to fight for one more week. But, man, if they lose another heartbreaker, that could be really tough sledding for Eli Drinkwitz there. So I'll lead off this one. I'm going Mizzou plus the 11. Yeah, I mean, Mizzou's played some really good – I mean, I, I mean – I say they've played some good football. I mean, they should have beat Auburn. Uh, I don't know. I think that's the worst way to lose a football game, the way they lost to, to Auburn. So, um, which, you know, that means, you know, they're close and they're playing hard. And uh, I just think that's too many points. So, 
I'm going to give Missouri a shot here. I think uh, I think they can hang, hang tough with them. Yeah, I, I just – I don't know. I mean, that's also a game where you wake up – or I say wake up. I think this is a night game where you turn it on. It's already like 14 to nothing, um, Florida, and you're like, great, this one sunk five minutes in. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that one. And it appears Skybox is as well. So, Skybox Sports Picks is going with Mizzou plus 11 on this one. Let's take a trip out to the West Coast, shall we? We've got UCLA and Utah. This should be a fun football game, I think. I don't know how good it's going to be. Um UCLA riding high after a win over Washington, an emphatic win over Washington last week, a good win where UCLA is playing good football. Their quarterback, DTR, been there a long time, really athletic dude, a lot of fun to watch. I am just not sure how good UCLA is. This game is in Los Angeles. I don't know if that actually means anything because I don't know if you've seen their crowd shots lately. Um, the libs don't care about football. Uh, I say that mostly tongue-in-cheek. They just have a hard time getting people to come out to those games. Uh, so I don't know if uh, – obviously it's not going to be a huge home field advantage. I just think Utah's much better. I don't think UCLA is good. I credit them for that win. They were playing better football. I'm just not sure how good they actually are. And I'll take Kyle Whittingham over Chip Kelly seven days out of the week. So I'm going to go Utah minus four and a half on the road here. Yeah, I like Utah. I'm, I'm going to go uh, with my first lock. How about that? We'll do Utah okay. with the first lock. I, I, man – you know, I guess that one of the reasons why UCLA, you know, fans don't like to come to games is because they're stuck in traffic. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I would like to go to the Rose Bowl to watch a random football game. I mean, that sounds fun. But Seems I pretty think, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just think Utah is a better club and just a better football team. So, prove me wrong, Brian Kelly. The 405, bro, got to avoid it. I, that's what all the locals say out there. Oh, Chip Kelly, what Chip that means. Wait, which, which one? Which Kelly is at UCLA? That would be uh, Brian Kelly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, no. Oh my God. Did I say Brian Kelly? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Or yes. Not, not the LSU fake accent guy. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. It's early in the morning here on a Friday. <laughs> it's a Chip yeah. Kelly. Brian Kelly is not in Los Angeles, or at least we don't think. Chip Kelly, excuse me. God, I'd hate to what, what he sounds like uh, with his California accent. He'd probably throw on some board shorts and a billabong hat and been like, you know, my family's from the West Coast. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> We're both going Utah. Skybox is going UCLA plus four and a half. So they like the Bruins here. They are the experts. I don't know. I just don't see it. UCLA is five and oh, but uh, I mean, they should have lost to South Alabama. They didn't play great against Alabama State for about three and a half quarters. And Bowling Green kind of gave them a little bit of a run there for about two quarters there. So whatever. Uh, it is UCLA plus four and a half for Skybox Sports Picks. Let's venture back into the uh, South here where they enjoy football. I say that partially tongue-in-cheek because I'm talking about Ole Miss Vanderbilt. We're going to go with that one next. It is the Ole Miss Rebels, minus 18. Ole Miss is coming off of a emphatic win, an exciting win over the Kentucky Wildcats. They just seem to have a knack for winning these close games, kind of a culture-shifting thing that we've talked about on the podcast at length. It is the Rebels laying 18 points. This seems like a lot of points. Vanderbilt's better. They are competitive. They have more SEC players. That's all I can describe it. SEC caliber-ish players than they've had in years past. Uh, they seem to have decent quarterback play. This is a lot of points. I just don't love Vanderbilt's ability to run the football. I think Ole Miss's ability to run like they have is going to help them in games like this. You know, the perceived trap game. Like, can you get out of there with the win without it being, you know, a complete heart attack in a box? I, uh, I think that will be the case. I actually like the Rebels minus 18. I think it's a lot of points. It's it's going to be tough to swallow those, but I, I'm just not taking Vanderbilt in good faith here. I don't know much about them. Wake Forest handled them with pretty good ease. I'm going to go with the Rebels. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you. And uh, 
you know, I, I know that a lot of Ole Miss fans have been spoiled for the last couple of years, look, but you know, watching Matt Corral play. But you know, there's been there's a couple plays here and there that, and you know, a couple throws that Jackson Dart throws that you're like, okay, there it is. You know that that you know, and he's putting it together. I think that um, you know uh, you'll you see him, you know, developing and uh, becoming that guy. And uh, I don't see why we can't get on him early and often. And you know, and just cruising the second half. So I'm going to take the Rebs. I think they roll here. Here's a uh, take for you. This is the game where Jackson Dart doesn't need to turn it over a couple of times early and give Vanderbilt a chance because, you know, breaking news, turning the football over is bad. But you get my point. Ryan Buchanan and I talked about this earlier in the week. This will, you know, this is technically his first SEC road game. Obviously, this is not going to be a raucous environment. There will probably be more Ole Miss fans than Vanderbilt fans in attendance. He won't get that first taste of that until he goes down to Baton Rouge. And boy, what a test that will be for your first real one. But it is his first game. Can he take first SEC road game? Can he take care of the football and just not put the team in bad positions early on? He's done a better job of that um, over the last two weeks, despite, you know, a really couple head scratching decisions last week. But he made some really nice plays. So I, I'll trust him on this one. I'll take Ole Miss minus 18. Skybox is not. They're going to take Vanderbilt plus 18 there. So that is, uh, that's actually kind of interesting. Skybox is going with Vanderbilt plus 18. On that one, that game is a 3 p.m. kick, as I'm sure all of you listening are well aware of. Let's go to a game that on paper most years would be kind of awesome. It's not going to be awesome. It is Georgia-Auburn. It is in Athens. It is now, good Lord, it is now Georgia minus 29 and a half. Auburn was a seven-point underdog to LSU last week. Got up seven, 14 or 17 to nothing, then proceeded to turn the football over five times. They don't really have a quarterback. That's a bold strategy. They turn it over a lot. I don't really get how this Auburn team is constructed. They have a good running back who they refuse to give the football to up until last week. It is 29 and a half, though. Georgia looked very, very bad last week, to be honest. I don't think it was a one-off. I don't think it was a look-ahead. I just don't think they played very good. Stetson Bennett hasn't been very good the last couple weeks. This is a tough one because conventional wisdom would tell you they'll bounce back, look more like Georgia this week, and just blow the doors off of Auburn. But it's 29 and a half against an SEC opponent with a decent defense. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to take the 29 and a half with Auburn. It worked for me last week taking Auburn inexplicably. I guess I'll do it one more time, so I'll take the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, you know, it's a, um, you know, you have to have some kind of pride about yourself. And uh, I don't, I mean, I get it that uh, it might, the writing's on the wall for, uh, is it Hartson? Hartson, yeah, Hartson. Brian Harson. A weird situation. There are, I mean, everyone is talking about who's going to coach Auburn next year, and the man has not even been fired, and there hadn't even been that report about Auburn boosters, Auburn admin meeting to decide the fate of blah blah blah's future. Like it, 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 he's been pretty much written off since February, for being honest. I think he's been written off since he's been hired. So I mean, that's you know, definitely just, true too. The way that I just, you could write a book on how that hire came to be. Yeah, I just don't understand the Auburn situation. You know, um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying there's Brian Harson is a bad coach, but I mean, you know, it's just, um, man, you got to give the guy some kind of support. But um, I can just see them hanging in, hanging tough. But I can also see Auburn. I mean, uh, Auburn, you know, laying an egg in Georgia, you know, being up, you know, kind of like the South Carolina game, you know, making it look ugly. So. Um, I, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take Auburn with you. Let, let's see if they can hang in there with them. Yeah, this is a, uh, as you described it, this is how much does Auburn have in the tank from a pride standpoint left. They're not a good football team, but I mean, if, if they, they have enough talent to stay within 
four and a half touchdowns over four touchdowns against Georgia, or at least I think we shall see. Um, you know, you were talking about you don't understand the Auburn situation. You are in the meat market industry. I don't know how much of a historian you are about the meat market and meat packing industry. Do you know who used to control the meat packing industry, particularly in the Northeast? Uh, the uh, Well, the Green Bay Packers, I mean, up there in Wisconsin, right? Yes, but I'm thinking a little further east and a little less legal. The mob. The mob <laughs> used to be big into that. That is pretty much Auburn's booster culture in a nutshell, probably without the murders, I would assume. Um, so that is pretty much how you get the dysfunction you got at Auburn. It is basically a gigantic inter, uh, gigantic ecosystem of interfighting that basically operates like a mafia. So anyway, that being said, Auburn probably going to have a new coach. He might, uh, he might be big into Bible verses and Tampa, uh, S <laughs> who knows, who's, uh, who's going to get fired first, Jimbo Fisher or Hartson? Oh, Harson, easily. Harson is Harson. I am actually surprised Harson made it to this week. I figured after last week blowing that one, they'd can him and then go through the interim thing. Part of me thinks Auburn's scared to have an interim because of the uh, last time uh, they had a coaching uh, search. Half of the the Auburn mafia that is wanted. Um, uh, what is the uh, what is the defensive coordinator's name? Steele to be the head coach. Maybe they're a little bit scared of that. I don't really know, but I'm surprised he made it to that week. Harson is definitely getting fired. I don't know how you can fire Jimbo. His buyout is almost uh, nine figures. Like I get it. The buyout numbers are pretty much meaningless these days in college football, but you know, we said that about Ed Orgeron at 35, 40 million. We said that at, about Gus at 45 million. This is $85 million or somewhere in that neighborhood. I will believe that number is meaningless when I see someone fork over the cash to can a national championship winning head coach after five years when they inexplicably gave him a uh, 10 year contract. Don't mistake that for a, uh, a defense of Jimbo Fisher. That is absolutely not that he's been terrible. His system's outdated. I, I just, I don't know how you do that this year. I, I just don't see it happening. I think they're stuck with him. Um, probably because Ross Bjork gave him a raise bidding against himself inexplicably this summer. I, I just don't get it. So anyway, uh, they're taking Auburn. We're, or excuse me, we're taking Auburn, and so is Skybox. Skybox is taking Auburn plus 29 and a half. That should be a barn burner of uh, epic proportions. Not really. We're going to go to Lexington. It is South Carolina, uh, Kentucky. It is Kentucky minus 10. Will Levis questionable with a hand injury, it seems like. Uh, this line hasn't moved much, so that would tell me he's probably going to play. I don't know that for a fact. I left last week thinking Kentucky is a pretty good team with a bad offensive line. I think Kentucky's well coached. I like actually what their uh, offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello, I can't say that every time I try. Um, McShanahan Tree, smart guy. I liked what he did to try to supplement the bad offensive line play. Uh, Ole Miss was just too much up front for Kentucky, and hell, Kentucky almost won that game despite it. I think they bounced back this week. I like the Cats to roll. I just – look – Kentucky has a bad offensive line. I don't think South Carolina has the horses to exploit it. South Carolina only has four sacks on the season as a team. That is remarkably terrible. So I'm going to go Kentucky bounces back here, uh, big here this week. Yeah, I'm uh, man. You know, uh, the Spencer Rattler thing. I mean, like how how good does he make a, a team when he shows up? And obviously, it's not good. You know, and um, I I just think Kentucky's going to control the ball. You know, I know it was kind of. Uh, frustrating to watch, uh, you know, Kentucky uh, on offense versus Ole Miss on offense. But, you know, they, they, they try not to make mistakes. They they grind on you. They lean on you. And uh, they try to wear you out. And, I mean, I think Kentucky gave that game away. I mean, you know, and 
it's not that, you know, they, they gave it away. I mean, yes, Ole Miss took it, you know, because they put pressure on Will Levis and that sort of thing. But Kentucky's a good football team, and uh, I think they bounce back easy here. And I, I, I'm going to give them a lock here. I, I think they roll South Carolina. I'll lock that one, too. We get five a week. Um, and for those of you that are new here, I've used my first one. Greg's got his second one there. Uh, Skybox disagrees. They're going with South Carolina plus 10. I, I got to be honest, I don't see that. But, you know, they do math and nerd stuff. I just go off my eyes. We're going to go to wrap it up. We're going to go to Texas A&M, the Yell leaders, the, uh, the most enticing brand in college football over the last couple of weeks. And months. Man, you would it think is, they would stop videoing it. Jeez. Yeah, it just, it, it's 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 something. I mean, I get, I I get tradition and everything, but there's some traditions that need to die. Uh, yeah, that is uh, that's for sure. We've had a lot of traditions through the years as a country and as a state, and really just at any level that you know, at a certain point, it's like, hey, let's probably not do this. This isn't great anymore. Um, but anyway, that uh, it is. Everyone's expecting it a bloodbath, right? This was supposed to be the most hype game of the uh, regular season. Some thought with the off-season beef, the sliced bread comments, the Jimbo Fisher back and forth that Lane Kiffin kind of expertly prodded and kind of teed up um, as he does, te- uh, as he tends to do. He kind of just lobbed a turd in the punch bowl and then watched the other two nerds fight it out, which I'd always thought was hilarious. Uh, it is Alabama minus twenty-four. Ooh, that's a lot of points. I don't know if Bryce Young is going to play. I, I, I wouldn't – I don't know if I wouldn't say I'd count on it, but I don't know. The line hasn't moved a ton. He had a, what seems to be a significant shoulder injury. Saban said he's going to be a game-time decision. I don't know. E- either way, I think I actually am just going to go against the grain here and take Texas A&M. This is a, another, like, pride game. A lot of pride games this week. How much pride do you have left in the tank? Maybe that's the theme of the week. You know, this game kind of happened to a lesser degree last year. A&M came off a bad loss to Mississippi State, and then Zach Calzada played the game of his life. I don't see A&M contending in this game at all, but they do have a pretty good defense, and they can run the ball okay. So I'm going to take them plus 24. Um, I think this game will hang around 17 to 24 points for most of the game, and you'll be sweating out the cover the entire time. But I I don't necessarily see – Alabama just winning this game by 35. Maybe I'm dead wrong. I've been wrong a bunch this year, as we well documented in in Neil's picks. But I'm going to take the Aggies here, plus 24. Yeah, I, I mean, it is a lot of points. And uh, I'm, I'm just a big fan of you don't poke the bear. I mean, you know, and I'm not talking about that bear is also true. Um, You know, and uh, there's been many a comments made towards saying, you know, like, I, I don't get that, you know, uh, but – with that being said, I, 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 I'm a don't poke the bear guy, and I, I don't see Alabama uh, not letting up on the gas pe- pedal here. And I think they want to send a message. And, uh, you know, uh, Jimbo Finisher reminds me of a lot of these uh, bloodstock agents at these horse sales that have millions and millions of dollars, and they can just get whatever they want. Well, whenever you spend millions and millions of dollars on horses, it doesn't work out all the, all the time. So with that being said, I don't think it's working, and – um, you know, 85 means a lot. And if there's one person or one state that can come up with it, it's the state of Texas. So I, I think Alabama uh, doesn't, doesn't pump the brakes here and uh, just keeps going. So I'm going to take Alabama here. Yeah, spending money doesn't make you mean you're competent. You have to actually spend it competently. What a novel thought. I'm with you there uh, on that train of thought. And Skybox is with you on the pick. They're going to take the Alabama Crimson Tide um for minus 24 there to wrap up our college slate i always forget the free plays i'm going to go ahead and throw those out skybox is giving two free plays to the people actually four this week they gave two college and two nfl their free plays are os 
Ohio State, Michigan State over 63 and a half. Wow. That is uh that is a shocker. And then they are taking Duke minus three. So those are your two skybox free plays this week. That is Ohio State, Michigan State over 63 and a half, and Duke minus three on the road against Georgia Tech. I don't know how to describe those picks other than interesting. I you know, again, they're the experts. I'm deferring to them. That's just uh I don't know if you've seen Michigan State's offense, but hey, when the line doesn't make sense, they're probably on to something there. So those are your two college free plays. They'll drop off, and now we will dive in, as the great Mike Francesa once said, to the league where they play for pay. Uh, going into the two weeks ago, I was 18-12 and 12 in the NFL. I know that's hard to believe based off my college picks. You were 15-15. and 15. We're going to dive into it after a two-week hiatus um, as my phone just goes off in the background here. Not really sure what was up with that one. But uh, we're going into week five of the NFL. We are recording this early on a Friday morning coming off of a Thursday night game that I don't like to do the whole Twitter exaggeration thing. Did you watch this game last night, uh, the Broncos-Colts? Um, I, I, You know, I, I actually have Amazon Prime, and, um, I, you know, I did not watch it. But I did see one of my horse bettors um, put $100 on um, the prop bet for a team not to score a touchdown. And it paid wow. fifty six hundred. Wow, hundred hundred dollars paid fifty six hundred. Oh hell yeah, but that guy's having a terrific morning. That's an incredible bet, and really never was in a ton of doubt until the end of the game. That's a that's awesome. That uh, that like fired me up to here. I was just gonna say, one, I don't like to do the Twitter exaggeration thing, but that really might be the worst football game I've ever watched. It was. Well, what- I mean, whenever a game is going into overtime and the fans are leaving, I, I think that's a real cue. And what's even what's funny about the whole deal is, you know, Russell Wilson, um, you know, that did, did his interview after the game, yada yada yada, and he still did Broncos Nation less ride as he walked off the interview. We've done, we've covered this theory on the podcast before. My theory is that Russell Wilson is not a real serious human being. He is literally like what you would imagine The Rock playing in a ter- as a quarterback in a terrible football movie. What was that movie that The Rock played quarterback in where like he finds his long-lost daughter? That terrible football movie where he's like the big-shot quarterback with the dog living in New York. That's how Russell Wilson just acts 24-7. It's, it's, it's almost like sociopathic. That game just – I had a buddy that was on the Colts, and I was texting him last night, and like he felt way better – when the Colts were on defense because Matt Ryan was terrible in his own right. Uh, Matt Ryan, you know, he's known for like the sack that takes you out of field goal range. Matt Ryan, the Colts were on the 11 yard line. He took two sacks for minus 29 yards that took him out of field goal range in all time. Matt Ryan sack uh, episode last night, the, uh, you know, his Broncos minus three, they had two shots to just literally lay on the football, kick the field goal, go up six, which was ended this game for all intents and purposes, because everyone watching that thing, knew that the Colts could not and would not score a touchdown. So 12 to six might've been 50 to might as well have been 50 to six. And Russell Wilson threw two interceptions, one of them in the end zone, just completely inexplicably. He's been awful. And then the famous thing that from last night that everyone's raving about is the fact that he missed KJ Hamler wide open on a slant to end the game. He's been bad. I think, I think I could have scored from there. I think, I think if I was in the game and I think I could have, I think I could have scored from there. You know, as as, way, as big of a waste of time as watching that game was for three hours, you get fourth and one by the goal line. I don't know why they don't run the ball, but you really can't make this stuff up. Richard Sherman is now on oh, the yeah. Amazon post game, and I just got to watch him scream, run the damn ball, almost to the point where it seemed like he was having a stroke, which 
You can't make that up. That is so hilarious and just so poetic that Richard Sherman, who basically broke up the Seahawks because of the pass, not run thing, clearly hates Russell Wilson. Uh, made that obvious on camera last night, uh, just screaming, run the damn ball. It was just very funny to watch. But anyway, that was a terrible game. We are not going to start there. We're going to go to the – But I will Wilson. say that is a solid bet, $100 for no touchdowns and a – $5,600 pay, $5, payout. That's pretty solid. That is an incredible bet. Congrats to your guy there. That is uh, that is awesome. That had to be thrilling to uh, watch and win. He's probably the well, only he, one that well, What was funny it. was uh, he posted the bet at the end of the third quarter, and he goes, I think I'm gonna, just going to go to sleep now and just hopefully I'll wake up to good news, you know. Oh, boy, did he ever. Let's hit the uh, – we got the London game. We uh, – you know – we're giving the Brits our finest. Last week we went Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, sent them over there to play in Tottenham Stadium. This week we're going to go Packers-Giants, uh, which actually isn't as bad on paper as you'd think. But uh, the Giants lost both quarterbacks last week. They lost Daniel Jones and backup – oh, I forget the backup's name now. They both went out of the game. They won a game in Chicago last week in which they threw the ball for 71 yards, which took us back to the leather helmet days. This game is actually offline, so we're going to have to come back to it. I'll try to find it somewhere else. I'm assuming that has something to do with the quarterback thing. Maybe there's some uh, – I don't know. Maybe the game's canceled because they're still mourning the queen. I don't know why that's offline, but we'll come back to it, actually. Let's how, go. How, how crazy is it as uh, the game last week ended with the the football hitting the, po the, the post twice? I mean, that's the most soccer-ish thing ever. That was nuts. They were, uh, they were probably Brits screaming, draw, draw. I don't know. Um, yeah, but it did hit the goalpost twice. Did not find the back of the net. Um, and the, uh, the, the, uh, the saints did not get three points. They did not get a win and get three points and they did not, uh, score three points through the field goal. So let's start with your saints there. They're minus five and a half at home against Seattle. Seattle wins a shootout in Detroit last week. Detroit's like a really fun team. If they had a defense, they'd probably be three and one. I'm not sure Seattle's any good, but Geno Smith's moving the ball better than I thought he would. I don't know how to gauge that saints are minus five and a half here. I got to say, man, the Saints are poorly coached. I don't love their offense, and I don't know how you take them five and a half here, but I guess I'll lay it because they really need this game, the Dome. They're pretty good at home, but um, it's not looking good for your Saints, man. Like, Dennis Allen has not been great. He's been kind of a disaster, shockingly, just as he was in Oakland when he was a head coach a decade ago. I'll go Saints here, but I don't have a great feel. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you are who you hire, and, uh, you know, it's uh... – it's not working out, and um, you know how how long how long are they going to keep him? And uh, you know when you lose Drew Brees and you lose Sean Payton and you you know try to you know revamp the organization. I mean, it's not a uh, wave the magic wand and it's you know it's done in a year. So um, I, you know I'm going to take the Saints here, but yeah, it should it, it shouldn't be a good it shouldn't be a good game. But who would have thought that Geno Smith would have better numbers than Russell Wilson, you know, in week four? You know, that's just kind of a head-scratcher. But it, it's definitely the truth, that's for sure. And they got three first-round picks for it and a couple of other pieces. They look like they fleeced the Broncos in that trade. Um, So, yeah, are you going Saints? Yeah, I'll go Saints here. I mean, just this it, it might be my last week for them. Jags-Texans next. We got this in Jacksonville. Jags minus seven over the Texans. I'm off the Texans thing. They're, I was on them for like, you know, they're scrappy. If it's a touchdown uh, spread, take them as the underdog because they'll be frisky and fight around. They just aren't good. I think Davis Mills is pretty good. I think the rest of the talent around them is really terrible. And they just do a bunch of really dumb stuff. I think the Jags are good. The Jags were up 14-0 against Philly, who's the best team in the NFL we've seen so far this year. 
uh, couldn't hold on, but the Jags run the ball well. Trevor Lawrence is coming into his own. Uh, Doug Peterson's a good coach. Uh, I'm just going to hammer the Jags here minus seven. I think they are a good football team. I think they need a win after last week, and I think they get it in uh, big time here. I'm taking the Jags. Yeah, I'm going to do a lock with the Jags. I, you okay. know, um, I, I, they're they're a good team. I, I you know, kind of didn't think the Trevor Lawrence thing was going to work out too well, but it has. And, um, you know, um, they they blanked the Colts, and uh, they shouldn't have won last week. But, you know, the Eagles are good. So, uh, I, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars here. I, I like them. They destroyed the Chargers two weeks ago in L.A. too. Uh, I think they're good. I, you can definitely chalk the uh, – if there's ever any doubt, you can chalk the uh, Trevor Lawrence thing to just what a disaster Urban Meyer is. You get a confident guy like Doug Peterson in there, and boom, the team's pretty good. they got some talent on that roster too. Um, let's keep it moving here. Uh, Steelers – or excuse me, uh, Bills Steelers. This is the largest spread we've seen in the National Football League this year. It is Bills minus 14. The Steelers might be the worst. Uh, the Steelers actually probably are. Uh, it's between them and the Bears. The fir- the worst uh, team in the NFL. Uh, they benched Mitch Trubitsky last week. You're going to go with the rookie, Kenny Pickett. This is a stay away of all stay aways. I think the Steelers are terrible. I- Man, I could do- see the whole Kenny Pickett starts. He kind of is frisky and they hang around in this game. But the defense kind of stinks without Watt. I guess I'll take the 14 and just hold my nose. I would never actually play this game. This is this is a stay away and a half. Um, so I'll take the Steelers just off principle. But uh, I think the, there's a decent chance the Bills kind of rectifies. You know, they look sloppy the last couple weeks. They had a loss and they barely pulled out that game in Baltimore, but was a nice win. I uh, I'm going to take the Bills this, or excuse me, the Steelers this week just off principle. But uh, I would never play this. Well, the Bills have actually played, you know, some good football teams. Uh, so, uh, you know, you got to give the Bills the credit, you know, for the record that they have, you know, going to losing it, losing in Miami and, you know, beating Baltimore on the road. I mean, those are that, that's, a, you know, a nice split there. So, I, you know, man, the uh, the Najee Harris and the Jonathan Taylor um, two-headed uh, fantasy uh, running back monster Ooh. that I had uh, is not doing so hot. So, uh, I, I think Buffalo rolls them up. I, I, I think it's going to be bad. So, um, I think I think the Bills will roll here. Uh, this is a trap of all traps. We're going to go to the back to the NFC South. Bucks minus 10 at home against the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are 2-2. Two and two. They lost Marcus Mariota to an injury. I don't know if he's going to play this week. Um, they Cordero, lost, uh, Patterson's out. They lost Cordero Patterson, but the Falcons are like kind of good. Uh, they have some playmakers on offense. I know we, they they lost a huge one, Cordero Patterson going to IR. Um, this is a trap, and I'm fully going to embrace it. I don't really care. The Falcons are kind of good, and the Bucks stink. They have a good defense, but that offense is terrible. We can, I mean, I, I don't know if we do pop culture and do the Brady thing here, but a lot going on there. They just seem like a mess. I'm taking the Falcons plus 10 here. Yeah, too many points here. And, uh, you know, what is going on with the Tom Brady? I mean, like, is he really, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I guess when uh, when you have it good, I, I I guess when you have, I don't I don't even know what to say about Tom Brady. In, in the Antonio Brown situation, I mean, that's just, man. God. Somebody's going to write a deeper, more like scandalous expose on Brady's obsession with football and how it ruined his marriage. It's going to be kind of predictable. I don't like to get into dudes' personal lives. They both seem like fine people for the most part, but it is weird at 45 years old and like he literally, his marriage is falling apart. It seems mostly because he decided to come back for like a 26th season or whatever the hell this is. Bizarre. But anyway, keep it a move yeah. here. We're going to go uh, Vikes Bears. Uh, this is in. 
This is in Minnesota, excuse me, and is the Vikings minus seven and a half. You might think, oh, Vikings not great too many points. I'm actually going to go the exact opposite. This is a 12 noon game for Kirk Cousins against a bad team. This is when Kirk Cousins looks like an MVP and earns his next four contracts. So I'm hammering the Vikings here. I think the Bears are terrible. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings too. I mean, it's just um, um, for some strange reason, I think that uh, last week uh, the Vikings were just playing around with the Saints and just making it a good game. Uh, I, you know, I, I think the Vikings uh, win by two touchdowns easy here. Yeah, I mean, everyone makes the Kirk Cousins primetime jokes. Does playing in London count as primetime? I'd have to say, yeah. And guess what? He wasn't great. So, anyway, not much to say about that one. We're going to go to another just barn burner of a game. It is my Tennessee Titans traveling to the nation's capital to take on the Washington Commies. It is uh, the Washington Commanders plus one and a half. I think the Commanders suck. I don't think the Titans are very good, but I'm going to take the better coach team and the team that can run the ball with a decent quarterback. I like the Titans here a lot. That's probably going to get me in huge trouble. And if you're listening to this, hammer the commies. But uh, I just don't think Washington is very good. I think Ron Rivera is a uh, candidate for first coach fired this year. I'm taking the Titans. I'll probably lock it. Yeah, and Ron Rivera's a good guy, man. I just don't understand. I mean, you know, I feel it's bad. It's an organization thing. He's a good coach. That You can't overcome that that Dan Snyder culture. It's just impossible. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why that's the case. I mean, I, I don't understand how a football owner can get in the way of somebody uh, doing their job. And uh, I, I guess uh, Dan Snyder is a you know professional football player, uh, coach himself. So I, I would stick to my day job if I was him and uh, – not worry about the football team, just go, just show up and watch it. You know, it seems like Daniel Snyder's trying to be like Jerry Jones. Is that, do you get that vibe or not? I think his day job at this point is just being an abhorrent human being who screws people over and treats his employees terrible. So, like, I, I don't really know what vibe he's going for there. Maybe he's going for like a Bernie Madoff deal. I really don't know. Um, I yeah, was actually surprised that, Rivera yeah. took that job. You talk about him being a good coach and a good guy. I completely agree. You know, he after the Carolina thing ended, it was just kind of time for a split. You rarely get that long, much longevity in the NFL. I would have just waited a year and taken another job. I don't know why he took this one, but anyway, I'm heading Titans. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm going to go with the lock in Titans. How about that? Hell yeah, we're going to go Jets uh, next. Jets Dolphins plus three and a half in New York. Is the Jets plus three and a half at home against New York? No Tua. Um, I've gotten tired of that discourse about the concussion thing. Yeah, they probably mishandled it. Yes, he probably had a concussion. I hate to see people get their brains scrambled. There's no shot they could have played in this week. They would There would have literally been a full-on riot from the NFL. I don't know, man. The Jets have some playmakers. Zach Wilson came back last week, looked pretty good. I think I'm taking the New York Jets here. I don't fully trust Teddy Bridgewater. The Dolphins are a better football team, but I kind of like the Jets in this spot at home. They're 2-2. Two and two. We could be talking about the 3-2 and two New York Jets next week. I'm going to go Jets here, plus three and a half. Yeah, I like it too, man. I mean, you know, um, you know, uh, we, we got Zach hitting up Giselle. So, I mean, he's feeling confident. So, I mean, you know, got to love a good co- uh, confident quarterback. So, let's go with the Jets. All righty. Keeping it moving here as we head into the uh, end of the early slate. We are going Cleveland Browns, plus two and a half at home against the Chargers. I still don't know how the Browns lost that game last week against the Falcons, but they managed to do it. They really need this win as they're trying to get through as best they can for, uh, through the Deshaun Watson. What they ended up being 11 game suspension, I think. It is Cleveland plus two and a half at home. This feels like a time where everyone you would want to hammer the Chargers, but they'll do some dumb Charger stuff. So I'm going to fade myself and take the Browns here. It doesn't really make sense, but I'll do it. Uh, I'm going to go Chargers just because. I mean, I I, I like I like um, Herbert, and uh, uh, for some strange reason, I think the Chargers are a lot better than 
what they've shown this year. So uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers and, and uh, hopefully for a bounce back. I can't fault you there. They're a good football team. They just This feels like a game where they do some weird Chargers stuff. Here's a great one. New England minus three at home against the Detroit Lions. Uh, New England almost beat the Packers in Lambeau last week with a backup quarterback. I don't know if Max Jones is playing this week. Um, I don't really care. This is a classic coaching mismatch. Belichick will just pull the Detroit Lions pants down. They had played terrible defense. It is New England minus three. I don't even Detroit think Detroit's that bad, but I am locking New England minus three. Uh, you know, I, I kind of have to agree with you a little bit on this, but you know, I, 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 for some strange reason, I just, I like how Detroit plays. They play hard. I mean, you know, and, uh, I, I know their defense isn't great, but they're fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just going to go with Detroit here for some strange odd reason. Carolina at home against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Some fire Matt rule chance broke out last week as Baker Mayfield was just horrendous against the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, who is not exactly a coaching savant in his own right. It is Carolina plus six and a half. This is a stay away of all stay aways um, again for me here. My thing is, this is a lot of points. I don't, particularly for a road favorite, I don't think San Francisco is great. But to me, what this comes down to is the fact that San Francisco has a really, really good defensive front and Baker Mayfield does not fare well against those. Man, I'll go. I, I just to get out on the case for San Francisco, I'll go Carolina just because it's too many points at home. I don't fully love the Jimmy G thing, but this is a you could see Matt Rule fired if this game goes really badly. Well, then let's go with San Francisco. Uh, I I don't want anybody to lose their job or get fired, but you know I just think you know Matt Rule was a good college coach, and you know it's a big jump, and uh, I just thought it would. I just you know if he stayed at Baylor, I think it'd been a little bit different situation, and I don't know, I, but I, I just I, I just don't think some coaches are suitable for NFL, and that's just the situation with him. So I'm, I'm going to go San Francisco to roll them up. Couple of great late afternoon games here to close this out. Cardinals, Eagles, Eagles, best team in the NFL. Their offense is rolling. They play really, really good defense. Um, they, uh, they've been really impressive. Jalen Hurts is, seems like he's kind of figured it out. Shockingly, they built an offense to suit his strengths, and look what happened. It's been awesome. Kyler Murray, they just kind of keep winning games. I think he's winning in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. It is plus. Uh, it is Arizona plus five and a half at home. So the Eagles are getting a lot of respect here. I think I'm going to go Eagles. I think I'm going to lay the five points on the road here. I just don't trust the Cardinals' defense. I like Philly's defense. I just like Philadelphia that much more as a football team. I think I'm going to go Eagles here. Yeah, I like the Eagles here too. I mean, um, uh, you know, you look at that offense. I mean, you've got A.J. Brown. You've got uh, DeAndre Smith. I mean, there's some there's some good players in that in that uh, on that team. So, I, I can't see why not. It, it would be sneaky uh, to kind of put a Super Bowl bet on the Eagles. I mean, I don't think you'll get good odds now that they're, you know, the cat's out of the bag. But I, if they if they roll this week, I mean, I think they're going to be the Super Bowl favorites for sure. So, let's go with the Eagles. Yeah, that just seems like a coaching mismatch. Nick Sirianni, who didn't get a lot of respect when he got hired, turned out to be a pretty damn good coach. Rams, Cowboys in L.A. Rams threw a stinker last week on Monday Night Football against the – San Francisco 49ers. Dallas uh, unbeaten with Cooper Rush playing really good football. That Dallas defense is flying around. The Rams giving five and a half here at home. This makes me want to take the Cowboys, but the Rams always do this. They'll bounce back and play a great game at home. I think the the um, Cooper Rush train probably slows down just slightly this week. 
I actually like the Rams to bounce back here. I'm going to take them minus five and a half at home. Where did where did Cooper Rush go to college? Wasn't he like a, one of those Central Michigan guys? I think. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. He's a good player. I mean, he's a great backup quarterback. Uh, I think he was a Central Michigan guy, but yeah, yeah. I I, I like the Cowboys here. I, I think that uh, you know it, it would be. It would be the most uh, Cowboys thing for just a random guy named Cooper Rush to turn the pro, uh, the season around. So I'm going to take the points and uh, hopefully hopefully uh, lose by a field goal. Those are some tricky spreads in those late afternoon games. I didn't love any of those in terms of having confidence. We get a great Sunday night game and a Monday night game to close out this week. Ravens, Bengals, Ravens minus three and a half at home. The Ravens have been a terrible home team over the course of the last like you know year and a half. Um, Lamar looks awesome some weeks that defense and then you know, pedestrian others that defense looks bad it looks like the Bengals have finally figured it out a bit I actually love the Bengals in this spot I'm going to lock it I like the Bengals plus three and a half here and probably to win the game outright yeah I'll have to agree with you I think it you know it just takes uh, uh, it takes a couple games for, for a, a good teams to get going and I'm not saying that um, the Bengals needed a couple games but um, they'll, they'll be hitting their stride here pretty soon so I like the Bengals to roll, and I, I like the money line too. Monday night football, uh, Chiefs, Raiders in Arrowhead. It is Chiefs minus seven. I don't think the Raiders suck by any means, despite them being one and three or whatever they are. I just think they've lost a couple of tough games, made some dumb decisions down the stretch of that uh, opener against the Chargers. I uh, didn't really understand anything they were trying to do against my Titans. They could have won that game uh, with a better uh, game plan, I would say, to say the least. Mahomes looked like Mahomes last week. They're kind of rolling. But I think I'm going to go to the Raiders here. I think seven's too many points. These games in the AFC West always get kind of weird. So, I think the Chiefs win, but I kind of like the Raiders to cover. Yeah, it, it should be a really good game. Um, you know, you always love a good division rivalry game on Monday night. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's a, lot, a little bit too many points. Um, you know, and I know that the Raiders are a lot better than that record shows. So, um, let's roll with them. Let's go with the Raiders. This has been Fresh Cuts Week 6. Um, go buy LB's University Avenue in Oxford. Go get you some meat to throw on the grill. Then go buy Skybox Sports Picks and have you just an awesome weekend and enjoy the fall weather. This has been fun as always, my man, and I appreciate the time. We'll see you next week. We'll be here next week. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate you making this podcast a part of your early weekend. Hope you guys enjoy the uh, game tomorrow, wherever you may be watching. Have a safe and happy weekend. And Weldon and I will catch you on Sunday.